Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our study of Ephesians with Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. This passage reads, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. This section of God's Word has been seriously abused in our generation in the theological minefield called spiritual warfare. As winds of doctrine go, that one was a hurricane. We are indeed involved in warfare, but we need to understand this warfare from the scriptures, which contain all we need to know, just as God wanted us to know it. We need to be discerning, calm and wise, to sift out the extra biblical things we're being told these days, and there's plenty of it. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, war is declared against you. We are not the aggressors in this war. We are the ones under attack. Please listen to Pastor Jim as he delivers today's slice of this week's message entitled, This is War, Part 1. Now this is a good time to remember the big picture of the book of Ephesians. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 tell us about our, our resources in Christ, and we were dead in our trespasses and sins. God made us alive uh, by what Christ has done. By grace, you have been saved through faith, and so now you are in Christ. That phrase and its equivalent occurs 27 times in Ephesians, and so our passage is presuming you are in Christ. You get to the second half of the book, starting at chapter 4, verse 1, and 4.1 through chapter 6, verse 9 is the blueprint for using those resources in Christ to live a practical, godly life. The theme of the second half of the book is announced right at the beginning of it, chapter 4 and verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Then you've got verses, um, well, all the way up through chapter 6, verse 9, telling you how to do that, the command to be filled with the Holy Spirit, how to fulfill all of those roles in human relationships. Then you get to chapter 6, verse 10. It begins the closing section of the message of the book, and it tells you how to cope with this spiritual battle into which you've been drawn by virtue of your faith in Jesus Christ. And today we're going to address just the beginning of the section, but look at the first three verses of this section. We'll, be, we'll take two visits to get through these three verses. Paul writes, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. How else can you say it? Someone has declared war on you. 
you need to be aware of what's going on. Now, I want to take a couple of moments and explain to you that this section of God's Word has been seriously abused and twisted in our generation. I remember being gripped by this passage when I was a young believer in Christ, and God used this passage to kind of wake me up. Christianity is not a hobby. It's a war. And you have to be aware of what's going on around you. Then I, uh, I preached through this passage in the late 1970s when I was beginning full-time ministry. And then again, I preached through it when I was uh, helping a struggling church in the 1980s. In the 1990s, I preached it again to a church that I was part of a team helping to plant that church. And so I did what every preacher does. When you get to preach something you've preached before, I call it cashing the check again. You don't have to start from scratch. You can go and review what you've learned. So I went back, and this is the 1990s now, and I, I looked at the notes from the times that I had been through this passage, and I noticed a total lack of reference to a whole movement that sprang up in our country, and not just our country, in the 1990s. It gathered momentum like a giant theological snowball in the 90s. I'm referring to the theological minefield that is usually called spiritual warfare. As winds of doctrine go, remember Ephesians chapter 4, we have to resist the winds of doctrine. As winds of doctrine go, that one was a hurricane. It was huge. It's mostly gone now. At least it's downgraded from, uh, what do they call it, T5 hurricane stage. But like any bad theological movement, it leaves a stain. It leaves damage behind. Uh, And there was this huge pendulum swing of attitude toward the content of our passage. It was in those days driven by the shallowness and emotionalism of the charismatic movement. Years ago among American Christians, and I would say this was pretty much true even up to the time when I became a new believer uh, back in the late 1960s, there was widespread ignorance of most people in most pews on the subject of angels and demons, preaching seldom dealt with demons or angels and the warfare in which, we, in which they and we are involved. And then the pendulum swung massively in the other direction. And the many gusts of winds of doctrine blowing in those days made people preoccupied with spiritual warfare. And there was excessive talk about angels and demons and far too much attention and energy devoted to speculation about things that happen in the unseen world of spirits, things the Bible doesn't describe to us. And many things that were once confined to charismatic circles broke out into all of evangelicalism. Here's your little modern church history expert two things happened at once. There was the spiritual warfare movement that brought 
horrible theology out of the closet and spread it all over evangelicalism. And it was buttressed by not something that was part of the spiritual warfare movement, but there was a, a book called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, Blackaby and a whole bunch of, of spin-offs from that that taught people that God actually speaks to you outside of your Bible and in addition to your Bible through your inner impressions and all of these things. That was 100% contrary to all of theology for 19 centuries and then suddenly it came forward. So remember when you're talking theology, if it's new, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new. There are always new, fresh ways to apply the truth. But those things happened at once. And it made a mess. Now we are indeed involved in warfare. Our text is crystal clear. But we need to understand this warfare from the Scriptures. And we need to understand God has told us everything we need to know about this warfare in His Word, and it is sufficient. Now, we have to be calm and wise and careful, sift out extra-biblical things that we might be told, and there's plenty of it. But here's the point of, here's the point of all this. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, war is declared against you. We are not the aggressors in this war. We are the ones under attack. Now, I got a way to say that now that nobody until the last few months could have ever said, in this war, we're not Russia, we're Ukraine. There is someone who is trying to exterminate who we are. Now, you might be fascinated with Stuff about spiritual warfare, it can be very captivating. It can be intellectually uh, seductive. You might be bombarded by it or tempted by it. So I want to just give you a couple things to watch out for. As I said, it's downgraded from hurricane status, but the stuff is still out there. So here are some things to watch out for concerning so-called spiritual warfare. There are certain terms and certain ideas that when you see or hear or read these things, they are telltale signs that you are now in territory fraught with terrible doctrine. All right? Here's a few of them. I'm not going to elaborate on any of them because I want to talk about the truth way more than the error. Okay, one is the idea that a Christian can need to have demons expelled from his or her body. There was another book written by, uh, uh, I'm sad to say, a, a man that I studied under a little bit in seminary that did incredible damage on this front. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. A Christian cannot be um, possessed or indwelt by a demon. If anyone tells you that you ought to be praying to bind Satan or demons, run the other way. That is a false teaching. Never, ever is that commanded. There are people who also will tell you that you need to pray to expel demons from inanimate objects. There, I know people that have, there's, a, there's an evangelistic crusade coming to town, so we have to go around and we have to take our little bottle of oil and we have to anoint and pray over every seat in the stadium so that the demons that are lurking under those seats can't infest the people who come there and prevent the gospel from spreading. I'm not kidding. I mean, I would think that would make good parody, but it's not. Run away from that. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.